Welcome back, everyone, to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, L-I-C-S-W, and C-S-T, your sex-positive, sex-friendly sex therapist and couples therapist and family therapist. And I'm here with my wonderful producer, Vicki, just back from the West Coast. How you doing, Vicki? Hello. We are doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Oh, yeah, she's she's jet lagging, but she's doing great. And her hair looks <laughs> fabulous, everyone. Just so you know. Thank you. Um, so just quickly, I want to make sure to, uh, to, to talk about quickly the mission of Sex and Couples Therapy, um, which is to help individuals, couples, and families embrace and integrate sex-positive thinking for optimal health, including sexual health and wellness, and, and embracing this and sort of um, integrating this into daily life. And what I like to say is that we go for annual mammograms, gynecological exams, and prostate exams for physical sexual health. We owe ourselves checkups and check-ins on the emotional and mental aspects of sexual health for, again, optimal health and wellness. So good morning, Morning Glory. What's the story? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I was asking her about her flight. She just came back from the West Coast and... She was saying that it wasn't too bad, but she had some little pups on there. And we had two little, little pups. Afraid. Yeah, it was a little bit of a bumpy flight, but. Oh, yeah, that can happen, right? Yeah. And you weren't there for long, right? Just a short a short business trip? Uh, yeah, Sunday to, Sunday to Wednesday. So. Oh, yeah, that's short to go through, what, one, three time zones. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yummy. <laughs> it was good, though. The weather was nice, so. We got to get outside a little bit while we were there, so that was good. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Was it rain or was it sunny and warm? No rain. It was windy, but it was when the sun was out, it was beautiful. So, Just like they say, it never rains in Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. So today, um, just quickly to let folks know what they're listening to, we're doing a podcast on intimacy, communication, sex, and trust. It's all connected. And we're going to focus on a couple of things, one, one being styles of attachment that couples have and the other being what's called differentiation and how we grow and get wonderful, positive, successful outcomes from doing couples therapy and sex therapy. So um, I just want to mention to you, Vicki, <clears throat> yes. that I stepped outside this morning. I was going to take a picture for you, but our forsythia is just <gasps> in full bloom. Oh, wonderful. It's glowing. It's glowing. And I, I looked up, uh, what is it, moonflowers? Is that what you said? Moonflowers, yep. What's, I looked it up since we last spoke, and um, they're really pretty. You're right, they do look like, what did you say they look like? Like a um, white morning glory. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So, nice. And how are you doing? Oh, I, I'm doing fine. Um, <laughs> we're getting ready to travel, so I'm totally excited, you know, oh, traveling and and uh, working I love, traveling I love, um, playing live music I love when we get to do our gigs. We're coming back. We're doing a few coming up in May and June. So I'm really psyched about that. I do that with my partner. And so that's always really fun. Um, and what else? You know, looking forward to summer and this good weather that's upon us and getting better all the time. So, yeah, it's good. I'm happy. Happy, happy, happy. Wonderful. Um yeah, so shall we uh, shall we jump on in the pool of uh, what's let's, all connected? Let's dive on in. 
Okay, alrighty. So yeah, I kind of wanted to focus on a couple of major foundational tenets of what I help couples with, mm-hmm. you know, when they're coming to me and they're wanting um, better intimacy, right? They want to improve their sex life. They're, or some maybe their goal is they want better communication. They want to feel more trust. Um, what's really interesting is that no matter what aspect of the relationship we work on, it sort of um, affects all the other aspects, right? So as a therapist, I don't want to get too stuck in content of, of what's being talked about. Um, I'm always trying to sort of step back a bit and offer them the tools to solve any problem, you know, whether it's uh, something to do with parenting strategies or something to do with, you know, how they do money or how they think about money or, or you know, sex or, you know, or labor in the home, right? I mean, mm-hmm. anything we can apply what I'm going to talk a little bit about today in two parts, by the way, right? We're going to do part one and part two of this because there's a lot to talk about. Um, and I thought we could focus on um, three stories. I've got uh, three couples in mind. Um, I have a, a one couple I was thinking about, uh, Anxious Angie and um, her partner, Desiring Denny. So we'll talk a little bit about them and we'll focus also a little bit on uh, pursuing Polly and withdrawing William. Okay. And we also have avoided Ali and lusty Laura. Ooh. Uh, so three couples where we sort of have the intersection of, of uh, different challenges. Um, you know, one or two of them really came into focus on sex therapy. Um, one or two came into focus on other aspects of the relationship. And sometimes what happens very frequently is that people think they just want to focus on the sex aspect and they end up talking about other aspects. Um, and that's very normal and very common. And as we say, it's it's all normal, right? Um, except when there's pain involved and I refer folks over to their, uh, you know, GP or primary care, et cetera, um, or their urologist or gynecologist, OBGYN. So um, I actually think this is a pretty good follow-up to the podcast that we did on, uh, I don't know if they've posted yet, um, perhaps not, but perhaps. We did some podcasts on healthy sexuality, healthy mind and body, right, parts one and yep, two. These so will, I thought yep. this was a good, these will what? These will go before will the one that we're recording now. Those ones have posted. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, I think they connect nicely in that um, we talk about differentiation in that, but we didn't really get into detail. So I want to get into detail here about what that actually means, right? Um, so let's see. It's th- this. Let's see. Instead of this talk being more sexually focused, it's more sort of relationally focused, but also pertains to sex and intimacy and and just showing how it's all connected. Right. If we grow, actually, as I like to say quite often, if we can talk about sex, we can talk about anything. Um, So so let's start out with um, the idea of of the attachment styles and what does that mean and why is that important, if that's okay, Right. Um, So so again, in thinking about these couples, uh, that I've made up. I've changed the names, folks. So just you know, don't worry. Confidentiality. Um, uh, let's see. Anxious Angie and um, desiring Denny. Right. So um, anxious Angie was raised in a in a religious family, um, and her partner, desiring Denny, um, sort of uh, got his sex education with porn, pornography. And I hear this a lot from folks. So um, as you can imagine, porn is not really a good place to get your sex ed. Yeah. You know, it sets, it sets up unrealistic That's a pretty high expectation there. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> a 
<laughs> I know, I, right? I agree. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. More and more, you know, and I learn so much from my clients, which I really appreciate so much. More and more I hear from men, actually, not just women, um, that it sets up unrealistic unrealistic, excuse me, expectations for them, for them, like just hearing from a client um, recently that, you know, when I asked, so he, he, he's more like, let's say pursuing Polly, let's talk about another couple, um, pursuing Polly and withdrawing William. So pursuing Polly, she's got a higher um, level of desire, right? And he has a withdrawing William has a lower level of desire. Um, and again, when, when we talk about this hypoactive sexual desire disorder thing that shows up in the DSM, you know me, right? I don't like to pathologize people. I don't like to look at the person as the problem. I really want to be looking at what's going on between people or in the system of the coupling or the family relationships. So um, it's really normal. No, no two people in a coupling have exactly the same level of desire, right? So is there something wrong here? No, there's just a difference, right? So differentiation, and we want to be thinking about how to tolerate differences in our partner. Um, but but getting back to porn as as a, a problem, I'm not against porn. I mean, I think porn can be extremely useful for folks. It's um, well, I'll get in more of that in in a minute. But um, what I want to say that it sets up for men uh, that I hear sometimes is that it's unrealistic, you know? So I asked him, what are your turn-ons? Because he's ha he has difficulty initiating. He's a little worried about initiating with his wife, doesn't want to get rejected, doesn't want to pressure her. He's a really sweet, lovely guy. Um, and when I said the word turn-ons, what are your turn-ons? Because we want to know what lights us up and makes us feel good and helps us feel alive, right? Because a lot of that sexuality is our aliveness, right? We've talked about eroticism as pleasure, delight, etc. Um, you know, he said, I don't know what my turn-ons are. And so I said, you know, it's interesting. Earlier when you expressed appreciation to your wife, you said something I noticed that seemed like a turn-on. Um, they were at an event together that actually was his event. And he said to her in the middle of expressing appreciation, he said, I want to thank you so much. And it was so helpful. And you're amazing in ways that I'm not, you know, you're so social and I'm not. And, um, you know, you also really looked good while you were doing it all. You know, you, you looked so nice while you were doing it. And I, I thought, ooh, that sort of rang a bell for me. And I thought, ooh, that's a turn on. You know, when he looks at his wife looking wonderful and beautiful, that's a turn on. And he said, well, that's interesting because I don't think of turn-ons in that way because I watched porn I think of like a turn-on has to be you know that I'm driving a big Harley and I'm kind of being a manly man or you know he said I associate turn-ons with something that might be kink related um, I don't think of turn-ons as just looking at my wife and seeing how lovely she is and and I said yes yeah, so that is a turn-on you know when we're thinking about what's romantic or um, certain memories that we have that just bring pleasure to mind um, smells uh, you know, memories. All that stuff is really important to know what lights us up, turns us on. So um, in working in that way with people, it's really helpful to allow them to see that we can reframe what's sex. We can reframe what's intimacy, right? We can reframe what's a turn on. And I'm not I, talking about hanging from the chandeliers. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think reframing a turn on to be simple things too is is really, really great because it's it's very small and digestible for people that are, you know, starting their journey of, well, I don't know what turns me on or I'm nervous to say what turns me on. It's nice to have like a mm. little digestible 
oh, do you get butterflies when they do this or, or you know, whatever. I don't know. It just seems, I just like oh, how you phrase that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like watching your partner and, and admiring them. You know, Esther Perel talks about that. When we feel admiration for our partner, that's a turn on. Right? It's, it lights us up, and it's it's just a beautiful feeling. So in working with, say, um, you know, uh, pursuing Polly, right, who's kind of into it, and withdrawing William, who's uh, maybe less into it, um, for several reasons, um, and we, we went back and started talking about attachment and, and how he attached um, with his mom in certain ways. Um, now, this is a very successful guy, you know. This is... Um, Again, all just part of what's normal. So he told a story about um, when he had his first girlfriend or a girlfriend when he was maybe around 16 or so, um, he was rubbing her back. And, um, you know, his mother turned to him and said, uh, oh, you're rubbing her back so hard it looked like you were going dig- to dig a hole in there. And he said, you know, it just really, it was, it made me feel embarrassed. It made me feel ashamed. And, oh, you know, I, I can really feel into that with clients and, and see how that shaped them, right? So let's talk about attachment for a second. So how, what does this have to do with attachment styles and why is it important? Um, when we grow up and we have parents who are, you know, critical, let's say, um, or, you know, they express blame or something like that um it shapes us in how we think and it it begins to make us feel perhaps anxious right so there are four attachment styles one is secure attachment um and uh, the other is insecure attachment and the three that fall under insecure attachment are sort of anxious clinging attachment um the second is anxious avoidant attachment um and the other is anxious ambivalent attachment. Some people might call it anxious, resistant attachment, depending on, you know, who's writing about it. Um, so all of these insecure attachments include this idea of anxiety, anxiety that comes up, you know, for the parent that gets expressed, um, and certainly for the child. Now, you can have a relationship with one parent where it's very secure attachment, and you can have a relationship with another parent where it's not so secure. Um, and this is all, again, very normal. You know, 70% of us have secure attachment. Another uh, 30% have this sort of insecure attachment of of varying styles, you know, around anxiety, avoidance, ambivalence like that. Um, And so it's important because it gives us a roadmap to where, where we were or maybe where we are now still attaching with our partner in the present in that same way that we did growing up. And it's the idea I've talked about before where we kind of roll our little baggage right from the past right into the present. (laughs) And then there you are, you know, you meet this person who's now your partner as an adult and we are replaying these attachment styles in the relationship, right? So what does that look like? If we had ambivalent attachment growing up, we might be critical or defensive with our partner because the ambivalence that occurred with our parents maybe gave us this sort of sense of anxiety where we don't love ourselves, believe in ourselves, trust ourselves, trust that primary person in our lives, right? It's a little, ah. But the good news is um, if you had a more secure attachment with, with the other parent or other trusted adults, that's the thing that helps you solve problems. You know, that's the thing that helps you get unstuck. So we're all kind of a big mishmash of, of varying degrees of 
secure and insecure attachment. Right. So attachment styles were uh, sort of mm, uh, created by, this is the work of John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, psychologists from um, decades ago. Um, and this is sort of how I like to think of it as it's sort of past oriented. We're really looking at our past family of origin, stuff like that. Um, the thing I want to talk about in terms of differentiation today and in uh, part two, um, thanks, is, um, is more present and future oriented. And differentiation, let me just define this for folks. Um, Murray Bowen. Uh, defined differentiation as the degree of resilience to the interpersonal contagion of anxiety. I'm going to say that again, and then I'm going to say what that means. Uh, it's the degree of resilience to the interpersonal contagion of anxiety. So let's take Avoidant Ellie and Lusty Laura. This is my, my couple. Um, two women who I saw where um, Avoidant Ellie came in and she was not really thinking that sex was important. Um, Lusty Laura was really desiring, higher desire partner. Um, and it, there was this sort of uh, difference and, and, you know, uh, arguing um, that was happening around intimacy and sexuality. So um, one would get upended, you know, particularly um, avoidant Allie would get upended when the subject would come up. And Lusty Lara would get, you know, really upended as well. So um, what did we do? We worked through uh, talking about how each of them attached early on. And then we began to work through the stages of differentiation, respecting and tolerating each other's differences for the greater good of their relationship. And, and you know, very specifically, Laura, I'm sorry, Allie began, avoidant Allie, began to see that this was so important to Laura um, that she really wanted to give, right, in the spirit of reciprocity, giving and receiving. And for her also, practicing receiving pleasure was really important. So it's just beautiful work that's done for folks where, okay, so that's how we attached. We can look and go, all right. <laughs> I had one client who went, oh, I'm screwed. <laughs> when we started talking about attachment, she goes, forget it, that's it. It's over. And I'm like, no, but wait, there's more because you're not really screwed you're you there the work here is to learn how to grow ourselves and we'll talk more about that we'll talk more about how we think when we're beginning to you know marriage i've said david schnark says marriage is an adult making machine or committed relationship is an adult making machine right so we grow in the process and then in most importantly in the relationship in the present we can form a secure attachment and that's how we heal so, ta-da! I love this. Now, the develop differentiation, and I'll talk about this in part two. Um, it's there's this idea of the developmental model, which was created by Ellen Bader and Peter Pearson at the Couples Institute in California. Um, and Murray Bowen talks about family systems therapy and differentiating. Uh, Sal Mnuchin, you know, so many of these great psychologists write about it and theorized about it, and now we as um, sex and couples therapists, family therapists sort of utilize it, and this is how we help folks. So I want to thank you so much for joining us. We're going to get into way more in part two, so stay tuned. Vicki, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for being here. Sorry, my, my brain just lagged like a 95 Dell. Like I just... Oh, that's all right. You've got jet lag. Uh <laughs>
No, I heard what you said, and my good. brain was like, "Yeah, that's nice," and then my mouth didn't, my mouth didn't, <laughs> didn't catch up. Oh, uh, uh, it's all good. We're good. We're good. We're good. I just like to see your smiling, shining face sitting. There. Um, okay, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna close up for now here, and we're gonna uh, stay tuned for a part two next time. And I just really want to thank everybody for joining us here. Um, you know, if you want to reach out, feel free. Uh, the phone number at the office is 508-990-9909, located in Massachusetts here. Uh, on Facebook, you can find us at the Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, the Happy Ending Therapist. The website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. And please remember, everybody, always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. And we'll catch you next time. Ciao for now. <laughs>